Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of Turbulence. I am your host, Jack Way, alongside with my partner in crime, George Shalloway. And we are back on the air this week to talk some NBA draft and more Terps football and Terps men's basketball as their Big Ten schedule was just released. We will get into women's basketball a little bit. However, their Big Ten conference schedule has yet to have been released. George, I know this was a hectic week in all Maryland sports, really. Kind of let me get your opening thoughts on the show. What's dangling on your mind so far? Well, um, first of all, good to be back yet another week. A little bit disappointed for the second week in a row. We will not be able to watch our Terps on the football field. I was really looking forward to playing a game against Michigan State where we were favored for the first time all season. It would have been nice to get them, especially a home game where we wouldn't have had to travel with all of the COVID precautions. But I'm, I'm excited that, you know, basketball's starting up again next week. You know, we had an exciting night if you were a Maryland fan with the draft last night. And um, excited that Thanksgiving's coming up next week. Happy early Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Likewise, brother. Um, I can't wait to, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, I would say, you know, I can't wait to put on my sweats and just go to town. But I feel like that's what we've been doing the past seven, eight months as it is anyway. So I guess not much of a change it will be next, uh, next week other than, you know, no classes. So that will be nice. But, Correct. you know, as you said, you know, a hot topic right now in all turf sports is that NBA draft, what happened last night. And there's no doubt, I think I speak for all of Terp Town, when I say congratulations to Jalen Smith for being selected number 10 overall to the Phoenix Suns. Smith is Maryland's highest selection and first lottery pick since 2013 when Alex Len was taken as the fifth overall pick by, guess who, the Phoenix Suns. So Phoenix definitely has their liking to the Maryland Terps for sure. And Mark Turgeon was quoted, I couldn't be happier for Jalen and his family tonight. And Jalen entered our program with a plan and put in the work to turn his dream into a reality. And that couldn't be more accurate. George, I got to just get your, you know, opening thoughts. What was the reaction? You know, no one really was kind of thinking of him. I was even watching because, you know, I will put, you know, my bias out there a little bit. I'm a Washington Wizards fan. So they were the ninth pick. And I saw our draft pick, the, uh, the small forward from uh, Israel. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good pick, but that's a side note. I think that will definitely help the Wizards down the road. But that number 10 hits, I don't know. For me personally, George, you know, Sticks wasn't really yet on my radar. I was more of a late first rounder. Definitely knew he was a high prospect without question. But, you know, I figured, you know, he could still use a little bit of muscle. And I think, you know, I don't think he'll go too early in the first. But he proved me wrong, and I'm happy he did. What were your thoughts when you saw that pick? Well, again, I'm really glad that he was an early – first round pick going in the lottery is an amazing accomplishment, especially after all that he did. And especially in his growth in year two, while being a Terp, I was a little bit doing a double take when I saw, you know, selection and Adam Silver saying, you know, Jalen Smith, Maryland. I was like, wait, what this early, but okay. I dig it. So I'm excited for him. I was also a little bit surprised. I wasn't expecting him to go that early, but kudos to him. And uh, I'm, I'm now going to be a little bit more of a Phoenix Suns fan. I don't really watch him play too much out there in the desert, but I'll definitely be uh, looking some more highlights up once they get their season started later this year. Oh, I know, you know, like right now, you know, you and I on Sundays, we text each other uh, back and forth all the time how the number one receiver in the NFL is doing, Mr. Stefan Diggs and DJ Moore down in Carolina, how they're doing and 
you know, you got to keep an eye on your Terps, you know, what they're, what they're up to professionally. And that's definitely no different here for, uh, for sticks and see what he's going to do in his rookie season out in the Western conference, you know, and just to mention some of his accolades, you know, he's the 61st player in university of Maryland history to be drafted to the NBA and the seventh player drafted under coach Turgeon. So definitely a nod there to coach Mark Turgeon done a great job with this program. And, um, the Baltimore native, you know, has had, he had a sensational sophomore season. You know, he was averaging 15.5 points a game and 16.8 all in conference play with 10.5 rebounds. So a double, double a game also with 2.4 blocks, not to mention he was a unanimous third team, all American across all publication was a finalist for the Carl Malone power forward of the year award. So George, Immediate predictions. He just got drafted last night. Season starts in almost one month. What are your predictions for Styx's rookie season? What's the hot take? Well, hot take is he's probably going to have to become a starter pretty early on. I mean, as a lottery pick, you expect to get immediate production out of your players. So I expect him to, if he doesn't start game one, to probably be starting within the first month. That's my hot take about Styx. I think I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I definitely think Phoenix, you know, I think Sticks was drafted as a 4-2 with Aiton being their five, um, who they recently got. I think, I believe it was last year's draft uh, out of Arizona State. Excuse me, Arizona, University of Arizona, not Arizona State. Um, and that was definitely a good pick. So Phoenix definitely building down low, the big men right now. Uh, you can, you can uh, witness that trend going on out there. Um, but without a doubt, couldn't be happier. I think everything went as planned. I know, you know, when they cut to him last night on the board, his family was ecstatic. Um, so very happy for Sticks and his family. And I know he's going to have, and I hope he's going to have a phenomenal long NBA career. But George, let's kind of shift our attention now to Anthony Cowan Jr. Still waiting for him. You know, he was predicted to go either in the second round or an undrafted free agent. It's probably looking more like an undrafted free agent pick right now. Who do you think he should go to and why? That's a good question. I was going to ask you the same thing. So I'm interested to hear your prediction. Oh, of course I'll respond. Yeah. A team that I think that Cowan could do pretty well with as an undrafted free agent is the Miami heat. Because I feel like the Heat, they're, again, a young team. Last year, they, they drafted Harrow out of Kentucky as their first, uh, first rounder. He had a very, very good year, an amazing postseason. And Dragic is getting a little bit older as a, as a point guard. And Cowan's a young guy. I mean, granted, he's old for a, an NBA rookie because, you know, as you know, stayed four years at Maryland. And a lot of players don't stick around four years in college. But he had a very productive senior season. He played amazing, especially in person. It was fantastic to watch, but that's a different story. But I think he can learn a lot under Coach Spolstra. I think Miami could be an interesting spot that he could potentially land in. I'm not saying he will. I just think that that would be a good system for him to learn in and could really become a, a decent NBA player if he went to a team such as the Miami Heat. But what do you think, my friend? Yeah, I mean, I really think that – I think Anthony Cowan is going to – Best fit probably in the Eastern Conference with the Boston Celtics. Um, I really do believe that Anthony Cowan would be a nice fit there. 
Um, they definitely lack at the one position, if you ask me. I know they have Kemba Walker, but there's not a lot of depth behind Kemba. That's something the Boston Celtics lack. I know they have Marcus Smart. I know they have Jalen Brown. They have those nice forwards. But today, Gordon Hayward just opted out of his contract. Um, so it doesn't look like he's going to be returning um, to Boston this year. So I really do believe Anthony Cowan would be a good fit there. He would have a lot of mentors, a lot of uh, young men, uh, veterans in the lead to uh, look up to and learn from at the very worst uh, and move his career elsewhere. I also think a really um, other good place for him, excuse me, that could potentially fit the Houston Rockets. And I say that because of everything that's just going on in the news today, my friend. I'm sure you heard Russell Westbrook doesn't want back. Neither does James Harden. James Harden is in the midst of negotiations, contract negotiations with the Brooklyn Nets. My goodness, if that pans out, that team is going to be the new Golden State Warriors with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. That, that, that's a nightmare of a team. Um, and Russell Westbrook does not want to come back. That leaves a huge, George, I, and I emphasize huge, just picture that bold, italicized, and underlined gap at the one-two position. That, that, that would allow Cowan some potential, not only playing time, but it would allow him experience to go up against some of the best defenders in the league. And I'm telling you, Cowan's the kind of player, he's going to be an undrafted free agent. He's going to have to learn. He's definitely going to have to make his mistakes and learn from them. He's, he's definitely going to have to go through that fa failure period, unfortunately, um, before he definitely thrives and moves up the ladder to get to some of those top-tier uh, point guard, uh, be with that top-tier point guard group. In the well, I got a question for you. Hit it. What do you, what do you think about Cowan? I mean, this is just a Maryland fan talking. Not, I have no inside knowledge about this, but what would you think if you were to land in Atlanta to go play with some of his former teammates with, you know, Kevin Herter and Bruno and learn from Trey Young. Do you think that could be a good place for him? So, you know what? It's funny. It's funny you say that because I was sitting here and I immediately knew the Boston Celtics. I really feel like I, I stick to that opinion. I really think that's where Anthony Cowan should go. Uh, that's my heart of hearts. And my second two teams were the Houston Rockets and the Atlanta Hawks. Now, the Atlanta Hawks is simply, you know, us two Maryland fans talking. It was simply my knowledge of knowing, oh, my God, Kevin Herter, Bruno Fernando. That could really, really mesh well. However, you also mentioned a third very important name in there, Trey Young. What does that mean? Yes, Anthony Cowan could be depth. He could. I don't see him getting a lot of playing time, though, because I see Trey Young, and feel free to rebuttal, I see Trey Young as a franchise player for that team. Imagine him as a, as a Tom Brady for the New England Patriots, if you will. I'm very aware Tom Brady's no longer with the Patriots, and he's left that franchise. But imagine Trey Young being with the Atlanta Hawks for, you know, 10, 11-plus seasons. That's, that's, that's where Trey Young is definitely the face of the franchise for that team. But that is a great point you bring up, George, because that really, really, really could offset Anthony Cowan from other point guards. And that could really, really launch him into his NBA career without question. Now, I kind of want your take. 
I want your take. Do you think that mesh is that going to help or is that just sort of, you know, like a paper thing? Like, oh, we all went to the University of Maryland. Or do you think some of that play will kind of come together? Well, I mean, that's assuming that he ends up signing with the Hawks. With the Hawks, yeah. I don't – probably not. But it would, I don't know. It seems like more of a thing that you would do on, you know, a 2K basketball game of, oh, look at all these Maryland guys together. I don't think realistically it would happen uh, because it's tough as an undrafted free agent to make a team – and especially if you're trying to be a point guard and he's got a similar game to Trey young. Um, yes, so I, I don't think that, I mean, I'm not a executive in the NBA, but I think that you might want to spread your bench and not have another player that mimics your starting point guard. Um, you might want to get more of a, I don't know, a, just a different type, maybe better defender, maybe a, a better guy who can make the three. Cowan was good from three, but he struggled at times. So, again, it's a different game once you get into the NBA. So, I don't really think that his game fits because it's so similar to Trey Young. You need a little have a more of a complimentary player, but that's my opinion. But while we're talking about Maryland basketball, I still have to ask you my trivia question. Yes, and it involves Maryland basketball and – Yes, this involves – with the Terrapin trivia. Let's go. Okay. So because obviously with the NBA draft being last night and Maryland basketball starting, it's a draft Maryland question. So I'm going to hit you with it. Let's do it. So as you know, Sticks was a five-star prospect and a McDonald's All-American before he came to the University of Maryland. Yes, and sir. He was up for, and he was, you know, the 10th pick last night. Who was the most recent five-star McDonald's All-American who was drafted coming from the University of Maryland before Sticks? That's my question for you. You can think okay. about it. If you want to give me an answer now, that's fine. But if not, get it back to me by the end of the show. Again, this it. is it's, – it's a good question. Some people might have forgot about him. I remember him pretty well. I hope you remember him. But if not, I'll be glad to let you know after a guess or two at the end of the show. Or if you right, want to now, do it now. right now I have two names in mind. But, you okay. know, last week or a couple weeks ago, your trivia question, I thought I had it down pat. Didn't. So I'm going to think about it. Okay, but that's the question. Think about it. Let's get back to uh, – well, we can move on a little bit if you're okay with that, talking about some, some football before we can come back to the draft towards the end. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's head, uh, let's head now onto the turf, uh, Maryland football. Obviously not the best news coming out uh, today for Maryland Athletics about that. Uh, it was just announced today more COVID tests uh, came out, um, including head coach uh, Mike Loxley. Um, and under the guidance and advice from university medical staff, uh, Maryland Athletics canceled this Saturday's game against the Spartans, um, which Maryland um, definitely, definitely was probably going to be favored in. Um, and George, I kind of want to, before we dive a little more in to these COVID uh, tests, do you think these past two weeks, although last week was supposed to be against Ohio State, in which Maryland was not favored, not many teams are favored against uh, Ohio State, but do you think this is this will halt uh, Maryland's you know production and performance once they they finally can come back and only God knows when that will be because it just really seems like the tests are spiking in College Park right now. Well, I think that it'll probably hinder them on the practice field for the first practice or two, but I hope that they can get out all those kinks and errors and mental mistakes. Let all that happen in Cole Fieldhouse when they hit the turf assuming that they get to play at Indiana next week, 
I don't think it should be that much of a factor. Maybe with some live contact, it'll be a little bit of an adjustment for the first drive or two. But again, Coach Lux always talks about, you know, getting back to neutral. These weren't losses against, you know, Ohio State and Michigan State. They're just non-contests. They, they like, never happened. So if Maryland can ride the momentum of, hey, we're still 2-1, and one, we got, you know, a tough loss against uh, Northwestern, but that was week one. We've come so far from here. Let's continue doing what we do, play smart, complimentary football. I don't really see this as a physical issue. It's probably more of a mental issue and making sure that they're still on top of it and realizing that there's still reason to play. They can still go to a bowl game. They can still knock off a weakened Michigan up in the big house. That would be a big win. They can still, you know, uh, knock off Indiana, which would be a huge win. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a top 10 team right now. Exactly. That's a huge win if they can do that. So they still have a lot to play for. Again, they could potentially, you know, win out the rest of their games. I mean, Indiana's a tough one. Michigan, they're down, but they're they're still Michigan. And then Rutgers, but Rutgers is no pushover this year. So I'm I'm really hopeful that the team realizes that yes, this was a little bit of a hurdle that they have to jump over, but this doesn't mean that their season's over. They got a lot to play for. And I think that they'll probably rally about this and you realize, you know, we're going to play for those guys that might be out. Cause again, if you're in the big 10 and you get COVID it's three weeks, 21 days. So they're going to rally for those guys that can't play. And they're going to rally for their coach, coach locks that that tested positive. So I really think that this could help them, you know, similar to when um, Jordan McNair passed away, they were heavily underdogged against Texas. They come out firing in that game in 2018 in FedEx field. And they beat the number 23-ranked Longhorns back then. So I think that Maryland has overcome a lot of adversity in the past. And unfortunately, this is just another one of those, those, adversary, uh, those adverse conditions that they're going to have to battle. But I don't think that this defines their season by any means. And, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head, George, when you were referencing Rutgers. This is, this is no slouch of a conference anymore. The Big Ten really they, – they definitely have their standout programs, no doubt. Every conference does. But I'm telling you, teams like Maryland and Northwestern and Rutgers are kind of just making their way out of the weeds a little bit. They're, they're really starting to get noticed. They're winning significant games. Uh, recruiting has gotten so much better over the years in all three of those programs. Um, and I'm telling you, they're, they're getting some, some great players, you know, specifically, you know, with our Terps, you know, Rakeem Jarrett, the, guy, the guy's an animal. Um, I mean, he, he loves Maryland. He loves to be here. And he's done a phenomenal job. And, you know, obviously that, that week one game against Northwestern wasn't exactly flashy or fun to uh, play in or watch for anybody. But I'm telling you, since then, the guy has been, you know, looking great on paper and even better on the field. So definitely something, uh, one player of many to keep an eye on. But for those of you that are still kind of uh, lost in the clouds about, you know, what's going on in regards to COVID and College Park, you know, Per the Big Ten conference protocols, all football student athletes and football staff, they continue to undergo daily antigen testing. Uh, beginning November 12th, Maryland Athletics also conducted additional daily PCR testing. And over the past seven days, 15 student athletes have tested positive for COVID-19, resulting in a Big Ten test positive rate of 2.8%. 
There were seven positive cases among staff over the same time period, resulting in a population positivity rate of almost 15%. And all positive individuals are now designated in isolation spaces per health protocols. And head coach Michael Loxley, as I mentioned, he tested positive as well. And he is currently isolating at home. And he was quoted, quote, I am gutted for our team and for our fans. This team is eager to play and compete and continue the growth we've seen this season. This virus is testing our players and coaches right now, but I have no doubt that we will emerge as a stronger unit for having gone through this together. End quote. George, that really just, you know, just supports everything you just said. This is just going to have to be something they're going to have to bounce over, uh, run through this wall, hurdle over this wall, uh, and have an opportunity really to be competing for a high-profile bowl come January. So that's definitely something uh, to keep an eye on. And, you know, now, now, my friend, let's get into the weeds here. Let's get into the weeds. Here we go. University of Maryland basketball schedule just recently released. And George, my friend, I'm telling you, it's looking like it's looking like a year in which, you know, they can take care of some of this unfinished business they have. What are your thoughts? We're going to go through a game by game breakdown, folks, and we're going to predict the Maryland Terrapins overall record come the end of the season. So, George, next Wednesday at Xfinity Center, Old Dominion coming to town. What you got? I have that as a win. I think that Old Dominion just doesn't have the manpower to get Maryland in, in that game. It's, it's the, obviously the first game in the season, and I'm not going to pick against the Terps at home for their opener. So I got the Terps. I got them probably by about 12. How got about you? About by 12, yeah. Um, week two, week two, not week two. I'm thinking football here. My goodness, it's just football season. They got Navy at Xfinity Center that Friday. Yeah, again, I don't, I don't see Maryland losing yet. I know Navy uh, is more of a, you know, they're, they're in a lesser five conference, but I just don't think that they'll be able to beat Maryland yet. Maryland will not be by any means peak Maryland in game two. Um, I just hope the game can happen and the football COVID doesn't hit, you know, the Xfinity Center and, and get too many of, of the men's and women's basketball players and staff infected. But, again, I still have Maryland winning that one a little bit closer, probably by about eight points. Absolutely. I think, you know, we can all agree, you know, we want the Terps to win. Um, we want football, basketball, men's and women's. We want, we want them to win. But – and I think they would all agree with us when I say, you know, it's just it – just, it would excite us as fans. It would excite them as players just to be out there. Um, and get to do their jobs as athletes, um, get to play and have the privilege to allow us to watch. So we just hope that COVID stays away and they all stay healthy. To kind of just give the quick synopsis, you know, we got, we got Navy, then we got, um, excuse me, we got Old Dominion, we got Navy, then we got Mount St. Mary's, then we got Monmouth, then we got George Mason. George, I'll just leave it at this. Do you see 5-0 and right there? I do. I see five and zero. All games at Xfinity Center, by mm -hmm. the way. And you know that's kind of the reason. I mean, last year we only had one loss at home, and that was obviously against Michigan State. Which I don't know about you, but I am circling as a game that I will be watching very detailed. And 
I'll definitely be having, you know, a little bit of animosity towards them because had we taken care of business in the Xfinity Center, we might not have the name Co in front of our Big Ten champions on those rings. But, uh, but no, I, I agree. The home court, it won't make a huge difference this year because, you know, we don't have all of our students going nuts on the wall, but we'll still have the Maryland flag on the wall and we'll have our cutouts of everybody. And I, I think that they'll get the job done at home. But, yeah, I, I see 5-0. and oh. Do you? I do. I definitely do. Um, not to, you know, harp on any of these programs, um, all fine basketball programs, all five of these universities, but I think Maryland just, you know, has too much firepower. Um, I don't think any of these teams will be able to handle it. Um, I think it's just as simple as that. And let's be real, 16 and one at home, the likelihood of you losing to George Mason, Monmouth, Mount St. Mary's Navy or Old Dominion, very low when you're beating high profile programs and big 10 teams and ACC teams. And, you know, it's just unlikely that you'll see the Terps lose at home in the first five games of the season. But now the schedule tends to get a little more, a little more tough after the game against George Mason, they enter the big 10 ACC challenge in December 9th. They head down to Clemson, South Carolina to take on the Clemson Tigers first tough game of the season, George on the road. What do you see? I see a Clemson that's still going to be football crazy, and those basketball players are going to be spending more time watching Trevor Lawrence highlights than Maryland game highlights. I see Maryland still getting a dub. I honestly, I see, a, I see a good game there. Uh, last year, I saw Clemson beat some good, good teams uh, within the ACC. They came very close against Duke. Um, they beat UNC. Uh, it will, it's definitely, it's definitely going to uh, be a tough game, but I think I got the Terps by about five, six points. I think it will be a competitive game. And I only say that too, because the Terps first five games are at home. You could say they're against some sleeper opponents and they're right off the bat, right after that, having to travel for the first time in the big 10 ACC challenge and play a pretty good team in a pretty good basketball conference. So it's, I definitely think it might hit them in the first half, like a ton of bricks, but they're going to come out fire and they're going to come out swinging, no doubt about that. And I think they're going to walk away with the win, but five days later, they head back to the Xfinity center for their first big 10 matchup of the year. Rutgers. Yeah, that's a really tough one. I mean, the Clemson game will have hopefully prepared them because right now uh, Rutgers is ranked going into the season by leave 24 but you know the Clemson game will, will have taught them a lot I mean I obviously picked Maryland my dad was also a Gamecock so all of his college friends are are like uncles and aunts to me so none of them would be proud if I picked against my Terps or their Gamecock so obviously I had Maryland in that one but but this Rutgers game is really important not only because it's the first game of the Big Ten but also because Maryland got beat down when they went up to the rack at the end of last season. We beat them uh, when we were home in an Xfinity center last year. And this is a really important game, not just. For... Well, I remember that game last season at the rack as, you know, mm -hmm. a, uh, a trademark because they could have potentially Maryland had a solo big 10 championship last yes, year. Sir, they could have. And I, yeah. that that's the one game against Rutgers. I think about like, wow, oh my gosh, we could have just beat them. 
Yeah, the reason why I have Maryland in their first Big Ten game is simply because this is an experienced Maryland basketball team. We don't have the excuse of being such a young team anymore. So I think the experience of a Big Ten basketball game, the young guys won't have it, but we have enough older guys this year to help them get the W in the Xfinity Center. But I'm telling you, that's going to be a dogfight. I really think so. It'll be a, a heavy mate or a heavyweight battle, and it's only game one of the Big Ten regular season. So it'll be a really good one. Oh, and again, absolutely. don't forget, we go back up to the rack in February. Yeah, I mean, so we're there'll right be some back animosity there. when we play them again. Oh, yeah. No, two months later, we head back up there. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they bring uh, to the table in December. And then right after that, I see Maryland personally taking down the La Salle Explorers at home December 22nd. I see us going uh, 8 0. And George, I don't know about you. Do you have a major upset? No, I, I, I never like picking against Maryland. And. Unfortunately, this will be on the record because it's being recorded. So technically, I will have said it, but I don't have—I do not have Maryland going undefeated this year. But no, I don't have their first loss coming until the 28th of December when they have to go up to the Cole Center in Wisconsin. That's that's uh, exactly. Yeah, we'll get there in a second. But that's exactly that's when I have that's unfortunately loss. where I think Maryland's going to take their first loss. But again, I don't I don't see them getting upset uh, before then. Likewise, likewise. And, you know, you, you right there, you know, then it's it's happy holidays. Merry Christmas. The Terps play on December 25th in West Lafayette, Indiana, against the Purdue Boilermakers. And we just mentioned we have Maryland's first loss the very next game. So, yeah, I got Maryland win, winning this one, George, probably about, by about 10. I would not be surprised, though. I will, I will put this on the record. I would not be surprised of an upset here if Purdue came out swinging and Maryland had to play a little catch-up and ended up losing in the second half. Yeah, Purdue's one of those teams where they're always a good basketball team. Uh, I mean, last year, I remember when, when we played Purdue home, uh, Maryland beat the snot out of them in the first half, and then they made it a game in the second half. So – Purdue always plays tough. I just don't see them beating Maryland yet. Uh, no, sorry. I don't see Maryland losing just quite yet. Again, I think that happens the following game, unfortunately. And now we are there. We are potentially, from our viewpoint, 9-0 and at this point. And December 28th, the Terps head from Lafayette, West Lafayette, to Madison, Wisconsin, to take on the Badgers. And I do see this being about a, you know, eight to 15 point loss. I really think at some point, I mean, it's basketball. I'm really just going to kind of sound, seem a little unscholarly here when I say this from a kind of a fan's perspective, you can't win them all. I mean, I, I just, I've seen teams. Yeah. I've seen teams go 25 and four and, you know, like 32 and four, you know, however many games, you know, are in a season, you know, I'm drawing a you know, brain fart right now. But I've seen teams, you know, go crazy off the wall, not lose a game till January or February. But Wisconsin's a top-notch program. They're a top-notch team. I'm very aware um, stadiums are not allowing fans, uh, the Big Ten, you know, because they're protocol. But that, that doesn't matter. You'll have noise in there. It's just like the NFL it's going to seem like a game's going on. You know, you saw it in the NBA. Uh, it's, it's, there will be noise. There will be 
quote unquote crowd noise. Um, so I have I have Maryland going nine and one uh, come December twenty eighth. Well, well, I know you have them losing as well. I just kind of want to get to see if you have a different angle on the loss. Well, I think it'll be a little bit close than eight to fifteen. Uh, if you remember last year, Maryland took an absolute heartbreaker up in Madison last year when there was a bad inboard or a bad inbound and lost in the last few seconds in a game that Maryland should have snuck away with a win. Yeah. Again, when that you're not a co-champion, you're an outright champion. And unfortunately we had to share it with Wisconsin, but yeah, yeah, one of the teams, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be close. Maryland has a history of playing close games with Wisconsin. I just, I mean, again, maybe it's an, up, an upset. I remember uh, a few years ago when was one of the flash mobs was against uh, Wisconsin. That was another close game. But I, unfortunately, I just don't see them being able to, to outdo the Badgers up there. But, again, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but we'll see. Again, we get them back home in Xfinity, and I think that one will play differently than up in the Cole Center. But, but yeah, I think, I think they're going to take a take – a, a close loss, but again, they can learn from that. It's still early enough in the season. And again, I mean, this... believe me, the, the, the AP poll is not going to punish you too much for being nine and one. If you're and I, if our predictions are correct, if you're nine and one at that point, I'm very aware, you know, at that point, what they'll be two and one in the big 10. So yeah, I mean, no, they won't, they won't take too much of a hit. But that leaves them coming off of a loss like that, heading back home New Year's Eve to take on the Michigan Wolverines at Xfinity Center. Another, another tough game. I do have Maryland winning this one in a shootout. Um, I de- I'm definitely seeing this as like a high-scoring affair. I probably have Maryland here. Uh, what do I have them? I have them down 84-82. I definitely see this being a shootout at the very end. Uh, being close back and forth kind of one of those who's got the ball last who's got the last time out sort of games you know free throw strategy all that kind of all that jazz you know that's implemented within the last few minutes of a basketball game but I have Maryland going three and one in the big 10 10 and one overall yeah again I I am I think that Maryland's going to split the season with Michigan Uh, I think they're going to win at home and lose up at the Chrysler Center uh, Jawan Howard or Jawan Howard, sorry, always gets his guys to go. Plus, they took a not an embarrassing, but an embarrassing loss on Cowan Senior Day last year when we got to cut down the nets in front of them. So they're going to have some redemption to beat us in the Xfinity Center. I don't see it happening, but when we go up to their turf up in Ann Arbor, different story. For sure, no, I completely agree. And right to kick off the new year, January fourth, the Terps head to Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers, a very underrated basketball program. If you ask me, I actually have the Terps losing this game. I have them losing by 10. I do. I do believe this is going to be a bit of a trap game. Um, I really think they're going to, they're going to take this loss and it will be tough, but I really do believe they'll be able to come out, you know, days later home at the Xfinity center and uh, put a beating down on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, unfortunately, I have this as the start of a little bit of a mid-season losing streak. Uh, I Independence Hall is really tough. We got them last year out there, but I don't I don't see it happening this year. Um, then we get them. Then we get Iowa home a couple days later on the seventh. 
I don't also, see right there, do you think we're going to beat Iowa? No, I, I see that one as unfortunately a loss. Um, and then I again have them losing the, the next game in the State Farm Center to Illinois. But okay, um, that, that's my opinion. I think that uh, this will be some of the tougher stretch that, that Maryland has to go through. Um, they get a little bit of a break. No, no game's a game off. Uh, in the Big Ten when they play Nebraska about a week later. Uh, if you remember last year, Nebraska was heavy underdogs against a, uh, a ranked Maryland last year when we, when we got them at the Xfinity Center. And if it wasn't for Sticks getting a rejection in the last second, we were going to lose that game. Yeah. And that was uh, – oh, my gosh. I think that, that was, like, that, that, that was that a weeknight. Yeah. And I was just – I was there at the game, and I was freaking out. And, you know, I didn't want to do any of my homework when I got home after that game. I was like, nope, I'm going to calm myself down. It was – I think it was like a funk mode. It was funk uh, mode. It was It was kind of like, I'm like, good Lord, how are we going to go to the real gauntlet of the Big Ten and, and win this Big Ten championship when, when we're choking against Nebraska? I mean, good Lord. I think that was also – I might be wrong, but I thought that was also Sticks Night where they gave out the glow sticks and the goggles for sticks. I think that was sticks night and he really made a play on sticks night. So yeah, but I think we, we can get Nebraska again this year, but, but I, don't I, I expect them agree. to let, don't expect them to just lay down for Maryland. Oh yeah. I mean, no team in the big 10 ever does lay down. I, I see Maryland going 11 and four beating Nebraska. And then, you know, they head to Ann Arbor after that. And I think you and I already discussed, keep it short, They ha- we have them losing um, up in Ann Arbor against Michigan, which would bring them to 11-5. and five. And then after that, I have them winning uh, up in Minneapolis against Minnesota. Yeah, there's something about the barn and Daryl Morsell that go well together, if you remember they, they, last they, year. They, oh, I remember that game very well. Uh, Daryl Morsell and the barn, they go, they're, they're like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They mix well. It, they go, they go, they go really well together. And I think Daryl Morcell, not just up in the barn, all over the Big Ten this season, he's going to put up high numbers. He he has been put in one of those high leadership roles as a junior this this season, along with Eric Ayala, and they're going to step up to the plate. They're going to step up to the plate. They're starters. Um, they got to show the young guys, numerous young guys uh, that have come in this year. Um, how, do, how the ropes? They got to show them the ropes. Excuse me, and they got to okay. show them the, the the terrapin way and how how they're going to win games. And they're hungry. I mean, Daryl Morcel, you know, he and that whole squad is hungry. They felt cheated last season after having that season take away. Yeah, I I see Daryl Morcel's having a little bit extra swagger when he gets up there. I have him winning, but. Man, that last second shot by Marcel. Oh man, I I couldn't sleep after that for for a little bit. I was so rattled. Like, did he actually make that? Did that really happen? So, I got him. I got him up, getting another win in the barn. But man, that was a crazy finish last year. No, absolutely. And the bottom line is, George, I have the Terps winning twenty games this season. They, they, you know, the bottom line is they have to face Purdue again. They have to face Wisconsin again. And they face Penn State twice, Minnesota again, and Ohio State. And that's the last loss I have. I have them beating Michigan State come February 28th at Xfinity Center. 
And George, if we make it that far in a season, who knows? That place might be rocking with actual people. We have no idea how COVID is going to pan out. Nobody does. So it's definitely going to be really interesting to see if we actually make it that far, if players stay healthy, if the NCAA or the Big Ten does not implement any new rules in terms of quarantining or delaying, canceling, postponing games, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I, I see some revenge coming February 28th. Man, February 28th, again, I said it at the beginning of this segment, but I am circling that. I am going to put myself in front of a television screen and watch watch with a passion. I always watch games, but I'm going to have a special chip on my shoulder for that one because Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman and Coach Izzo, I don't want to say stole it from us in College Park in last February because they, they played the better game, but – they stole it from us. <laughs> oh, I mean, they, so, they, 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 was a robbery. Oh yeah. I mean, not to mention I was, I mean, I, we've said this on, on a couple of podcasts ago, but I was already sleep deprived. I got up at five o'clock in the morning that day to get to college game day. So oh, yeah. I was already tired and just wanted Maryland to win. And I thought if we won my, I mean, the least would the come Terps back, could have but, done for you is kind of get you the dub, hit the pillow that night. Sweet dreams. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I definitely, happen, yeah, no, it's, that was definitely a, uh, a rough, rough go, rough, rough go. Um, it kind of reminded me, I'm going to be honest with you. It kind of reminded me of the feel, you know, probably two different feels for two different reasons, different sports, but the, the college game day, Maryland and Penn state, you know, the shutdown of classes, everything wild on the campus. Um, people aren't getting up nearly as early for football college game day, but I don't know, the same hype and then come game time. I don't know what happens, but, I mean, geez, Louise. I mean, things just kind of hit the wall. Well, it was a little different. I mean, we didn't – since it was a Friday night game for that one, we didn't actually get, you know, the whole ESPN crew to show up for the set. And, you know, we didn't get Coach Corso to put on either the Nittany Lion or the Testudo So, I mean, it was a little different. Uh, we didn't get, you know, Kirk Herbstreet, Desmond Howard, David Pollock, but we did get Reese Davis uh, for when they came back uh, for college game day in, in February. And no, I don't remember where they went to college game day that week, but we didn't get him. Uh, but again, that atmosphere at that game was electric, just like it was against Michigan State. So I understand where you're coming from. Oh, I'm sure. So, folks, me and my partner here, it looks like we got the Terps around 1920 wins this season. I think it's going to be one to remember for sure just based on the COVID atmosphere. And George, you know, if we make it this far, where do you see the Terps, this Terp team this year, getting to in March Madness? I, I see them, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four. Really? I really do. I really think this is going to be a sleeper team. There there always is one. Um, and basically, there always is one in every bracket, every, you know, aspect mm-hmm. of the bracket, um, every sector, if you will. And I really, I really think the Terps are going to be able to thrive, especially in the first few rounds. And I think once they hit the Sweet 16, they're going to start finding their mojo. And that's, that's when they're going to be playing the better team. So I have the Terps. I, have the ter- I mean, and they are hungry. They, the, last year was highway robbery. They, I'm, I'm not the only one that probably would have had Maryland in their Elite Eight Final Four. They were, they were catching fire. And, you know, it's a shame that it was taken away, but 
That's where I stand. Where do you, where do you, where do you see the turfs? As much as I want to agree with you, I don't see them going as far as that. First of all, if we make the dance this year, I think that's a big accomplishment because the Big Ten is such a difficult gauntlet this year. Maybe more difficult than last year, and last year was unprecedented as to how how many teams were ranked and how hard it was. There were no days off ever. So if Maryland does end up getting to the tournament, I see them getting out in the round of 32. Um, Again, that's not a bad finish for this team. Um, Help is on the way. As we mentioned last time, we signed four – or sorry, three four-star prospects in the early signing period. So the cavalry is coming, but we just got to – hold off until we can get some extra firepower on this team. Again, I've said this before. I think that this team goes as far as, you know, Wiggins, Morsell, and X-Factor, Chole can take him. You need to have a good big man, and we need to see a, a good season from Chole if we want to see uh, this team go far. No, absolutely. It's, it's going to take a lot of leadership and experience this year if we want to see the Terps dance for a while in March and April. Absolutely. So – that's your take right there, folks, on turbulence for men's basketball. It's going to be interesting to see. We'll catch you up next week on women's basketball a little more as their Big Ten conference schedule has yet to be released. However, they are scheduled as of right now to head down to Estero, Florida next Friday to take on Davidson as their very first game of the 2020-2021 season. So definitely have that on your calendar over your Thanksgiving break. So let's kind of mosey our way along. You know, George, you met, you mentioned Cassius Winston. I kind of want to throw his name out there because last night he was drafted 53rd overall to the Washington Wizards. And he was marked as one of the most high-profile, high-board, highest-profile guards on the board last night. And he was taken 53rd. And this might be a steal for Washington. What do you think? Well, let me put it to you like this. I am a Wizards fan. I don't want Cassius Winston to perform poorly. But if he stays on the bench a little bit longer for a, a healthy John Wall and Bradley Beal, I would not be upset if you get my drift. He's Michigan State. Uh, as a Maryland guy, I just, you know, he was originally drafted, I believe, by OKC and in some sort of way in the he way was. the NBA does, he gets to – I I would have been happier, honestly, if we would have stayed in OKC. I think there was like a three-team trade with Washington, Memphis, and OKC. Okay. And I think that's how it all kind of panned out. And magically, Cassius is coming to the nation's capital. So, yeah, I hope he. I hope that he helps the team. I do. I mean, like, I mean, you need you need youth and depth at that position. Mm -hmm. Right now, your 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 depth is Ish Smith. I mean, he's been in the league for years, years. And you want – John Wall's your guy, but you need someone young behind John Wall to come off the bench and produce. Yeah, I I mean, we've had this discussion earlier about Cal, and I just wish that the Zards would have taken a nice local guy instead of getting him from East Lansing. Uh, I would have rather had a Turge guy than an Izzo guy. But, again, uh, we are a Maryland podcast, so we won't dive too much more in depth on a Michigan State guy. But while we do are talking about the Big Ten in the draft, I have a, a question for you. Were you a little bit confused or surprised that Daniel Orturo, the center from Minnesota, went before Xavier Tillman? 
I believe he went 33, uh, Oturu, and then uh, Tillman went 35. I was a little bit surprised by that, personally. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, Daniel Arturo, you know, he was reportedly traded to the Clippers after being dealt to the Knicks. Um, you know, I'm not too much surprised. Um, you know, he's a strong big man with good length. You know, he emerged as a double-double, you know, threat as a freshman. Um, and he's built skill a lot of skill. He's a great man to have by the rim uh, when he was at Minnesota. Um, and he was a widely regarded top 50 prospect. I mean, the man, you know, Arturo averaged 20, a little over 20 points and a little over 11 rebounds per game um, when he was at Minnesota. And that's kind of funny there, you know, Minnesota, Minnesota kind of guy. He's, you know, he gets to stay home. So I'm sure, I'm sure he was kind of happy about that. But well, no, I mean, I don't. I'm I'm not too surprised by that, George. I really think that it it was a good pick for Minnesota. Um, but otherwise, that that if anything wasn't even the big surprise um, for me. I was surprised. Oh my gosh, I was surprised. Lamelo Ball was taken third overall in the draft. Okay. Let's break this down a little bit, okay? Lonzo Ball, he was also taken in the top five. LaMelo and Lonzo are the first brothers in NBA history to be taken in the top five of the NBA draft. Okay. Congratulations. That's great. But here's the deal. George, from your perspective, I'm clearly sharing my perspective without even saying anything just by the way of my tone, by the sound of my tone. Have you really felt that Lonzo Ball has made any stamp, any mark in the NBA? I mean, what has he done? He hasn't produced high numbers. The luckiest thing that's happened to him, he made his way out to L.A. and won a championship. But he wasn't, come on, he wasn't one of the essential factors for winning that championship. Well, I mean... Now he's on the Pelicans, so he he was part of that big trade, and he he's no. I hate to say this, he was a good player when Lonzo was at UCLA, and but part of it's also the whole big baller brand and his dad. I was just about to say, I feel all like of the, that fiasco. Lavar Ball has it. made Lonzo Ball a big name, and. LaBello and Leangelo, all of the balls. But oh, Leangelo, just wait. Just keep your keep your clock ticking. Mark your calendar for next year's draft. Leangelo's next. So, uh, again, he's now down. Uh, Lonzo is now down in New Orleans, so he'll play with Zion and and do all that stuff. Personally, I, again, I don't. I haven't really followed his career that much. I'm not a big. I mean, when he was with the Lakers, I wasn't really a big – I'm not a big Lakers guy. And when he moved down to New Orleans, I'm not a big New Orleans guy. So I haven't followed his career in depth that much. But, again, the only reason that we really know so much about him isn't necessarily because of its basketball. It's more for all of the media and the endorsements and 
big baller brand and his dad going on ESPN and, you know, arguing with everybody about how good his sons are and how he can still take Michael Jordan in a game of, you know, one-on-one. So, so that's why, but I mean, I mean, again, congrats to LaMelo for being selected so high and let's see what he can do down in, uh, in Charlotte. So I have no problem with the pick. Yeah. I mean, it will be interesting. I mean, it will be interesting. Obviously, Michael Jordan and the Hornets think very highly of him. So it will be interesting to see how he produces his rookie season because I think that's definitely going to um, add to his uh, trade value, um, if not his just value for staying in Charlotte for a majority of his career. But I definitely want to tip my cap here. How can you not tip your cap to uh, the number one overall pick, uh, Anthony Edwards? freshman from University of Georgia, one and done player. Um, it was kind of funny, you know, Edwards actually opted to reclassify to the class of 2019 of he- ahead of what would have been his junior year at Holy Spirit Preparatory School, which is where he went to high school. And I find that kind of funny because it's like, I feel like his, his career, his NBA draft, it, it, it could have completely taken a turn if he hadn't done that. Um, you know, the Atlanta native, you know, he finished third in the SEC, scoring almost 20 points a game. He has a lot, a lot of honors uh, throughout his career. He was a heck of a defensive player, has great speed, great instincts. Uses his length. He has a 6'10 wingspan. Um, definitely gets up there on steals, gets into passing lanes. Phenomenal defender, to say the least. But, yeah, some of his career highlights, you know, he was the 2019-2020 All-SEC second team selection finalist for the 2019-2020 Jerry West Award, recognizing the nation's top shooting guard. And he was a top 20 candidate for the Wooden Award, which honors the national player of the year. So definitely, you know, a great pick, I think, by Minnesota. Um, they, they've got some good ones this year, and they needed, they needed a good draft. Um, so congrats to them, uh, for a phenomenal draft because I, from my perspective, I give them an A plus in, in grading. So on that note, George, I've been thinking about your trivia question quite, quite some bit. Do you need me to re, do you need me to restate I it would, I, I would, I, I've been, I, I need to hear the question again. Cause I've been tossing names around in my head. And for those that don't remember from the beginning of the show, repeat the question. Okay. Sticks. Jalen Smith was a five-star recruit McDonald's All-American before coming to Maryland. Okay. And obviously was just drafted last night, 10th overall to the Phoenix Suns. Sure. Who was the most recent five-star McDonald's All-American to be drafted in the NBA draft from University of Maryland before Sticks? I know – I know Alex Len was not a five star. Um, That's correct. He was not. I know uh, Kevin Herter was not. Nope, he was a four star. Um, was Justin Jackson? No, no, he was also a four star. He was a four star. Okay. Oh man. If I told you the year of the draft, would that help you? I have, I have, I have two names in mind. Um, okay. It's not Alex Len. It's not Kevin Herter. 
It's not Justin Jackson. And before Jalen Smith. Okay, here are my two names. Here are my two names. The first guy that I'm going to say is Diamond Stone. Okay. The second man I'm going to say is Gravis Vasquez. Okay. Are either of those correct? One of them is correct. One of them is correct. Okay. I'm going to go with Gravis Vasquez. No. It was Diamond no, Stone. No, it was Diamond Stone. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, no. Nope. It was God. Diamond Stone. He was a five-star, also a big man center. He had that amazing game against Penn State, if you recall, back in 2015-2016 season. Oh. Drafted 40th overall by the New Orleans Pelicans in the 2016 NBA draft currently in the G League. Folks, I'm 0 for 2 on this season's turbulence and trivia question. My man George has gotten one right, so I'm, I'm trailing the season series right now. It's all right, my friend. I'll uh, another two episodes because I got the tri- you got the trivia for me next episode. Don't okay, worry. I, I'll get. I, I got you next episode. Next next episode. Next episode will be a good one. My, my well, I thought this was a. Oh, go ahead. I was thinking. Yeah, no, I thought, might throw in some Thanksgiving trivia next week. Okay. Well, I'll say I thought this was a fair question. It was recent, about four or five years ago. Diamond Stone. Oh, that was a great question. I literally it was one of those questions, you know, where you don't. It, you know, you're asked that question. You don't necessarily know the answer, but you have names in your mind. Like, okay, I know, but I don't know. Like, I could, I could guess, an educated guess. And gosh, yeah. darn it, I had the two names, and I you guessed did. the wrong one. Uh, yep. I was thinking you were going to go with Jake Lehman, but Jake it wasn't Lehman. Jake that Lehman. That would have been a good guess. But uh, he wasn't a five-star. He wasn't a five See, I was, like, thinking Justin Jackson. Like, Justin Jackson was in my head, but, you know, you told me he wasn't a, wasn't a five-star. So, no. yeah, no. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that, that, Diamond Stone, five-star, and a McDonald's All-American, just like Sticks. Diamond Stones, he was a heck of a player. A heck of a player. So, I wish yeah. he would have stayed in College Park an extra year, though. Yeah, I don't get me – that's a whole other conversation. I mean, people talk about that with, like, Bruno Fernando and Sticks. Should they have stayed longer, just a year even? So, yeah. it's – I mean, it's, it's one thing, but I'm excited. I don't know about you. Maybe, you know, before we uh, sign off here, I want to get your takes. How, how productive do you think Chole's going to be this year? Oh, well, like I said, Maryland needs to have a good big man, especially with the loss of no Fernando, Anthony no Cowan. Well, yeah. no, but yeah, but with our point guard Cowan leaving, Ayala's going to have to step up. Wiggins oh, Ayala, have to step I mean, on the he's, wing. He's so the guard, yeah, I mean, this exactly. Is, this so uh, it'll be you can't just rely solely on Ayala. You're going to need some big man production. So I think that Chol is going to have a much better year. He's. I think that Turge said that he's mostly healthy except for a little pain in one of his legs i can't remember left or right but he's much better than he was last year he's been practicing he's been getting bigger yeah, but again he's also seven two with a seven foot eleven wingspan so you yeah, can't I was, I was teach say, that part of it i don't think the height wingspan part is exactly the problem yeah. uh it's definitely just staying healthy with Chol. Yeah. i know that was his problem last season and it's good to hear from especially the head coach saying that, you know, he's, he's, you know, one of his legs is a little, you know, iffy right now, but for the most part in practice, he's, he's doing a nice job staying healthy. Well, on that note, folks, thank you for tuning in to this edition of Turpulence. I am Jack White alongside my partner in crime, George Shalloway, and we are signing off here on WMUC Sports.